Welcome back, niggas and friends, girls, gays, thems, and theys. It's your host, Fluid Flower, and we are back with another episode of Fluid Thoughts. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you to all of my Patreon subscribers. Y'all are absolutely amazing. I have made $10 this month <laughs> for my four Patreon people, and I am just praying that the Patreon gods will turn that four into 40,000, okay? Because I have the content. I have a plan. I have a vision. I have a dream. I have written it down, made it plain, and I'm going to own all my things. Opulence. I own everything. I'm going to own all of my content 100%, and I can't wait to share that with you guys. Um, But yeah, the reason why the episode is late is because I have decided to continue the structure that I had originally in the first couple of episodes of this podcast where I would come on here, I would talk about something and then um, I would have the story time at the end. So I had to edit a story for the audiobook that's on Patreon that is exclusive to Patreon. <laughs> I had to edit that story and then I had to write another story for the, today's episode. So I was like, okay, I am going to have to put a little bit more work because I'm promising, you know, story times at the end. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. That's okay. Because life is work. Unfortunately, we're working under capitalism, but life is work. And I want to write this stuff for you. So Today's episode, we are talking about all things misogyny, all things manosphere, all things <laughs> podcast where these men get on these podcasts with mics, niggas with mics, talking shit about women. And I'm just like, where are your mothers? <laughs> where are your grandmothers? What? what the fuck is wrong with you? Because, okay, I'll say this. I'm a person who believes in the fluidity of thought. Just because we are indoctrinated into something and that we believe something doesn't necessarily mean that those will be the things that we believe for the rest of our lives. So, but I don't, I guess my issue is that it doesn't seem like these niggas want to make any change. <laughs> they don't want to make any change. They, you can't, you can't not only combat what they're saying, but you can't even have a conversation with these individuals because they believe what they believe to be complete and total truth. I have evolved in terms of my politics, who I am, what I represent, what I think represents me. The things that I thought when I was 21, I don't think now when I'm 29. And it's almost as if these people, um, and because they're, and it's not just men, it's men and women, but these people, it's like their mind is perpetually stuck being a teenager. How are you damn near 45? And you sitting here talking about a woman should be serving you and working four and five jobs because she needs to bring something to the table. Nigga, we all got to bring something to the table. We all suffering under capitalism. Bitches is trying to organize. Bitches is trying to unionize. You think you working at a warehouse? I'm, I'm going to take your money. Nigga, you don't have no money. <laughs> so today... We're going to talk about it and I'm going to give my take because like I said, it's not just men, it's men and women or just like people in general who truly believe in this like men and women have to have certain identities, ideologies, functions in this, in this world in order for them to find success. And you'll find a lot of the times that shit is bullshit. I think 
in one of the episodes where I talked about the fantastical fake mystics, you'll see a lot of people talking about divine femininity. And now you see things about divine masculinity. Like I said, in that episode, all of these things are repackaged white supremacy. So when you look at these people who have these podcasts, these podcasts who hate women, All they talk about is misogyny in a twofold structure. They're either talking about it in a traditional way where they think, um, or they call it traditional. They talk about it in a traditional way that supports nuclear families. Like they'll bring up an example. My dad used to work and come home, but my mom cooked and cleaned and took care of the house and the kids and you women don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, because I don't fucking have to. I don't have to cook and clean and bear children if I don't fucking want to. That's the thing. Y'all are stuck in this in this choice of, oh, this is a traditional way of life. But that life was born out of capitalism, out of cis heteronormativity. And it's crazy because I say these words and I know these are like buzzwords for people. Because once people hear that, they're like, oh, I'm tuning out. I'm not trying to hear that shit. Yada, yada. But it's like. You have to be able to ask and question yourself, where does this tradition come from? And if this tradition was born in white supremacy, then maybe we shouldn't be carrying those traditions if we're trying to eventually achieve liberation. Your mother stayed at home and cooked and cleaned because literally women were not allowed to get jobs. And I know it's different for black women who are especially black domestics, who they, the jobs that they had, that they were taking care of white people's children, white women's children. So understand that even when there were rules of women can't do this and can't do that, the the set of rules was even greater for women who had other marginalized identities. So if a white woman couldn't open a bank account A black woman couldn't even walk in the motherfucking bank. If a white woman needed a credit card, needed if she wanted a credit card and she had to get her father's or her husband's permission, then a black woman couldn't even have the fuck, couldn't even think the word credit. You weren't even allowed to think that shit. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that you have all these men of all these different places, races, physical characteristics, all essentially saying the same thing. And you have to question at some point, where did you learn this from? Because if you say your father taught this to you or your pastor taught this to you, inherently that we can tell that you essentially learned this from society that we're living in. These men also always talk about wanting to dominate the woman and dominate our bodies, dominate our psyche, that we need to submit. What the fuck am I submitting to? You are not a conqueror, you are not a ruler, You are not a king nor a queen. The fact that you feel that a human being should be essentially your slave lets me further know that you do not value or see me as a human being, and that's a problem. And personally, I think this problem is born out of the superstructure. We live in a world of imperialism that keeps itself alive by conquering nations and pillaging and assaulting and raping where whatever they can find, whether it be people, children, or the land. And so, of course, people who are trying to mimic and emulate that structure when they see power or they think power, or rather that's how power is defined in our society, of course you're going to want to sit up here and dominate me and make me submissive. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I'm too smart for you niggas. 
a lot of you niggas can't spell and a lot of you niggas don't know two plus two and that's okay because like I said I believe in fluidity of thought I do think people can change some of y'all are too far gone speaking of people who are too far gone in my personal opinion there are women who uphold the second part of the twofold misogyny there are women who uphold misogyny through desirability and desirability politics every person that I've seen on TikTok or Instagram or whatever who are like selling femininity excuse me selling femininity courses it's like they're copying desirability from the perspective of a man you'll see one of their TikTok or Instagram videos and it's like oh you need to be softer you need to be quiet don't be yelling you need to you there's a certain way you need to sit and a certain way you need to put your hair you need to be classy and you need to be feminine men don't like this and men don't like that who gives a fuck (laughs) who gives a flying fuck about what an entire group of people think when we were not put on this earth to please people we were put on this earth for a purpose or at least that's what i believe and that purpose cannot be to please people or to fit and and be molded in some image so that some man who sleeps in his mother's rat infested basement can be happy like you have to be fucking kidding me so they sell these these videos and these kits and the kits and videos are nothing more than repackaged desirability politics. It's fat phobia. Oh, women shouldn't be too big. You need to lose weight. You need to do that. All the same things that these men in the manosphere and their podcasts be saying bullshit about women. It's also repackaged colorism because I believe that the manosphere gives way essentially for these men and women to talk about the things that they find desirable within the perspective of white supremacy. So they get on these podcasts and it's okay for them to say, yeah, it's just my preference. I don't know why people are mad at my preference. Nigga, (laughs) if your preference is rooted in white supremacy, it's not a preference. Your brain is literally wonked, warped, has been fucked up by indoctrination. So instead of seeing people for the beauty that they are, you literally see one identity marker or one thing that you don't like. And all of a sudden that person is trash. And And the thing is, We're not even forcing you, right? The people who are trying to correct you. We're not even forcing you to say you need to be sexually attracted to this person. All we are saying is, if you don't find something attractive, why do you have to not see value in that person or devalue them or dehumanize them with your words? If it was, if it really wasn't all that serious, you wouldn't be taking the time to literally talk shit, dog walk, bang your head on the ground to let everybody know you're not attractive to me. You're not attractive to me. You wouldn't be doing all that shit. If, if it was simply just about your preference, but it's not just preference because you got to say, Oh, I don't like big fat ass, dark skin bitches with nappy headed curly fucking hair. My bitches got to have wavy loose hair. Got to be light skin. Okay. Nigga, if you like light skins, then that's what, that's your motherfucking business. But you don't have to let us know that. Leave us out of it. Leave us dark skin fatties the fuck alone. If that's what you like, you don't have to put down what you don't like. Then you have the pick who agree and double down on the madness. And it's like, at some point, you, you have to realize that you can't agree your way 
to this man's heart or you can't agree your way to liberation. I personally think that the women who agree with this stuff are just trying to find peace where they are. It's like a little kid who gets bullied, but then a new kid comes to school. So the bully isn't paying attention to the to, to you anymore. They're paying attention to the new kid. So now to make sure that the bully don't bully you, you now start joining the bully to bully the new kid when really nobody should be bullying. They try to secure their place in the manosphere as agreeing with the object or, or rather agreeing with objectification and being the object of desire instead of being like, hey, that's a human being and you shouldn't be talking about a human being that way. It is always easier to join the power structure than to go against it. How are you as a woman agreeing that you should submit and be in service to a man? Bitch, I will never understand that. Hell fucking no. Now, mind you, I am not trying to shit on anybody's family structure or family dynamic. You do what works for you. I have always believed that. Who I'm specifically talking to are these men with these receding hairlines who get on these podcasts and sit up here and disparage women and say all the lies, fallacies, and fairy tales that they can think of because they don't feel like the object of desire or they feel like they are losing power. What happens when the world is crumbling around you and when the superstructure is proving each and every single day that it is not a viable option for anybody to live onto, instead of people organizing around each other and building communities, making each other, making sure that we, each other is safe, what tends to happen a lot, especially when you have the news and the hypersensationalism of the news and social media, people will tend to cling on to very reactionary takes of life because they're like, okay, even if this is a lie, this is something that has been around for years and I'm just trying to cling on to what's comfortable because the right now is very fucking uncomfortable. I can see the fear in these people's voices when they speak. Everybody is afraid of not being able to define themselves as the world has so defined people in the past. The way that we are defining success now, it's much, much harder. You can't get a home right now. Rent is through the fucking roof. A simple basic ass toy box house on the side of the road is $900,000. You can't look for shit on Zillow because Zillow has like a marketing scheme where they're like using their own investors and making sure that no one can rent a house. It's absolutely fucking terrible. The, the, the job market is crazy. So the things that people use to define who they are as men and or women in the gender binary, these things are going away. So people are absolutely gonna cling on to the structure of nuclear families and make it seem like this is the only way to live life and that this is a superior way. And then they'll double down with religion and double down with these podcasts. And it's like, y'all, I'd rather us put this this energy into building something that is way more sustainable than sitting, sitting up here arguing with niggas who don't know how to read. <laughs> like. I can't take it anymore. And it's it's gotten worse because people are so emboldened by social media. They're so emboldened. And um, I think the isolation of COVID has like made it worse. You can't talk to your friend or go see your friend because you're trying to, you know, not get this virus or maybe your friend passed away. So the people that you once were around and the community you once were around has been devastated by this virus, by this pandemic. And so people are reaching out to online and having online communities. But if there's nobody there to challenge that thought process, the vitriol gets worse and it's so sad and it's so terrible and I just want what's best for my people which is liberation 
But we cannot achieve liberation if you sitting over here thinking that a woman needs to stay home and have your children while the whole Supreme Court is taking away our right to choose. All of these things are intertwined and support one another. The manosphere, the reactionary takes, the misogyny, the doubling down, the the, the decision of the, the Supreme Court. When you think about it, if you have people, niggas with a podcast who are able to think and, and say this dumb ass, ridiculous ass, misogynistic ass shit, imagine the nigga with the gavel. Imagine the nigga with a gun. If the average run of the mill man who doesn't have anything going for him, who's able to buy a $30 microphone off of Amazon and post things on, on his account with his phone is saying all these things and having these opinions, Imagine the Supreme Court. So I think personally that we as people, whether you're a woman, man, gender non-binary, gender non-conforming, we have to make sure that we tackle the patriarchy from the bottom up at all sides and attack it. Do not allow these people to spread their misinformation. Do not allow these people to spread their vitriol. One way that we can do that and like or prevent that, don't engage with them. Don't interact. Don't give them the click. Don't give them the view. The things that I've seen forcefully coming across my timeline and people talking about it and people engaging with it, I've, I've had to block some people that I follow because it's like you're not going to get through to somebody who is who is doing like guerrilla style marketing and is like essentially making people angry on purpose so people can be like, look, look, see what this guy thinks It's crazy. No, let them have their thing. Let them be in their own little circle. And when they come to the real world and nobody interacts with them or, you know what I'm saying? And, and nobody listens or agrees to what they're saying. Then they'll be like, oh, I'm being isolated and shut out from my community. Maybe I shouldn't be thinking this stuff. Now, some people, like I said before, are too far gone. Some people are very violent. Some men are very violent. So we also need to do what it takes to protect one another. You know, I could come on here and say, oh, we need to learn self-defense classes or carry weapons. But at the end of the day, <laughs> the answer to everything that I get on this podcast and complain about is always going to be abolishing the superstructure and burning this shit all the way down and building the world anew. The idea that all women just need to carry guns to protect themselves from men is not a good idea anyway, because it's like, where is the gun? How long will it take for you to go get it? And if this man is stronger than you and is hurting you, or do you have time to reach in your purse and grab the gun so you can, you don't fucking know that. So I think, again, all roads lead back to abolition. We need to teach young people, young men, young men, women, non-binary, whoever, the importance of human life. And we, But we can't do that when we're living in the current superstructure that doesn't value human life. All of that to say, fuck these niggas with mics, fuck they podcasts, fuck they t-shirts, fuck they brands, fuck all of them. Because if you cannot see women gender non-binary people, femmes, all of these femme presenting people as human beings, fuck you. <laughs> That's it. Like, fuck you. All human life is precious and worth protecting. And if you think somebody isn't worth protecting or being valued simply because they're a woman or because they have a uterus, please suck a dick. <laughs> please suck a dick and get the fuck out of here. <sighs> okay. <laughs> that was a mouthful and a lot. But 
We are going to take a quick commercial break because I know that I am a better writer than I am speaker. And I have essentially written down my feelings about misogyny and the world of men that we're living in, in this wonderful, beautiful story that I hope you enjoy. So let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with story time. What's going on world? It's your girl Fluid Flower and I'm so excited to tell you all the ways that you can support me. First, if you're not following me on Instagram and TikTok, you better start now. Follow the podcast at Fluid Thoughts Pod for updates on new releases of episodes, Patreon content, and podcast announcements. When you click the link in my bio, you'll find all the links you need to support me on Patreon, Anchor.fm, and also a link to my website for blog posts, show notes, and other special projects coming soon. Whether you donate, listen, and download, or become an official patron, your support helps me to create original content and bring you fresh, fluid flower flavor that I know you love. Did I mention I have audiobooks that are written and read aloud by me exclusively on Patreon? Trust me, you won't want to miss out on these stories. So go ahead, subscribe, like, follow, share, and most of all, enjoy. Your support is forever appreciated. Now let's get back to the show. And I am black, I am back, and we are ready to go into our story time with Ephemena Imanafe's story time with Fluid Flower. I'm really glad that I've picked up this section again because like I said, sometimes when I get on this podcast, I'm honestly just like talking shit and, and saying jokes. And the point that I'm making really is driven home by these stories that I write. So without further ado, here is my story entitled Open Letter to Men by Ephemena Imanafe. As a young girl, I wasn't safe anywhere, not even in the house of God. It was always someone's father, uncle, grandfather, or brother that would caress me after a church service, hug me a little too long, and feel against the small of my back where appropriate and inappropriate met, always a tap dance away from crossing the line. But because these men were someone's father, uncle, grandfather, or brother, they were careful to make sure the interaction seemed harmless. They would call out to me from across the room, astonished at how much I've grown at age 12 or 13 or 15 or 16 or any age that made them feel like my daddy. I know you got a boyfriend, they'd say as they run their fingers through my hair in front of their own children. You were always so pretty and smart, they'd say as they stroked my arm while they stood next to their friends who were the same age as my father. The worst was the posturing, the body language. The way they would perk up when I entered a room and hold on to the front of their pants, framing the outline of their flaccid penises. The way they would push past me and graze their dicks against my adolescent backside or gently hold onto my hips, making their way through a crowded church lobby to shake hands with the pastor. Sometimes they would just grab me. They would pretend they're praying for me or wishing me well as they traced over my budding teenage body with their eyes. Women should not speak in the church so I never said anything. Sadly, I had no idea that this would happen for the rest of my life. At 12 years old, I attended a church service with my father. My father, who was a devout Catholic, was trying more traditional African churches for the first time. Five hours of service passed by before we finally finished. A man walked up to my father to greet him. 
My junior sister and I were standing nearby doing that awkward stand that children do when they are taught to not be seen or heard when adults are talking. They talked about the game, the economy, the Nigerian economy, the president and the Nigerian president. Shortly after, the man turned towards me, still talking to my father. Are these your daughters? He said. Yes, said my father. How old is this one? The man said as he pointed to me. Twelve, my father said. He paused and ran his eyes over me. If she were back home in our village in Africa, she would be married by now, said the man. I froze. Yes, I would have gotten at least two cows for her, said my father. It was at that moment that my 12-year-old heart shattered into dust. The man who was tasked with protecting me from the world was of the world himself. Married? I had just learned how to properly use a pad with wings and stopped throwing away my menstrual-soaked underwear from being ashamed that I even had periods. Married? I should have known my father was the same when he scolded me at nine years old for not wanting to change my clothes in front of him. It was a quick change. I turned around to take my shirt off and put on my oversized nightgown. You're hiding from me. You've never done that before. Since when did you start covering yourself? We don't hide anything from each other, he scolded. I also didn't have C-cup breasts the year prior when I was in a training bra. He was cold to me for the rest of the night. I couldn't understand why he tried to make me feel bad for not showing him my body. It was my body. But he came from a culture that was colonized and indoctrinated to believe that women are second class to men. Daughters are seen as possessions to give away for trade or to pay off debts, not as fully realized human beings with hopes and dreams and fears. So to my father, it seemed as if I was hiding something he owned that I didn't have rights to. It seemed like the young men in my undergraduate years felt the same way. There was always a warning or a story of a man and his friends that young female co-eds were to be cautious of if they were near them. Oh, don't talk to him. Him and his niggas be putting roofies and girls drinks at parties. Girl, if he offers you a ride home, don't take it. He kicked me out of the car on the freeway because I wouldn't suck his dick. And then one day it happened to me. I'd done everything right. Stayed away from the known predators and always walked in groups to be safe. But this assaulter still found a way to harm me. I was in the library printing papers for midterm when he grabbed me from behind and put me in a bear hug. I swung like an unhinged blade to release myself from his grasp. He turned me around to face him and pulled me in as he forcibly seized my thighs and hips in the palms of his hands. Anger erupted inside of me as I released a guttural snarl and finally pushed him away. Get the fuck off me, I said. He laughed in my face and said, yeah, I like that rough shit. Chill out, girl. You know I'm just playing with you. I cocked my hand back and slapped him, making sure to use my nails to scrape off some skin from his face. I made it clear that I was not playing and didn't find it funny. As I gathered my things to leave, he continued to taunt me. Give me five minutes with you and I will have you screaming my name, he snickered. Fuck you, I shouted as I left. I reported the incident to the dean of students. She told me boys will be boys and that's just how he plays. I pleaded with the dean to reconsider as I wanted to make a formal complaint. Effie, baby, just calm down. You know we can't go around reporting our men to the police. He's somebody's son, not some common criminal, she said to me. Aren't they all someone's son, I replied. 
Looking back, I often wonder if he was laughing because he knew he suffered no consequences or if I truly was just a joke to him. Needless to say, it was obvious that he felt his behavior was appropriate and so did she. So what do I make of it then? My history with men and the people who protect them from accountability? What am I to do except stew in a pool of piss and anger when the world has revealed itself to not see me as a human being worthy of life? The world projects onto me that I should be a man's cook, maid, workhorse, fuck doll, saint, and counselor. It is because of that projection backed by institutions that I have learned that one can simply not scream into the void that this pussy grabs back to achieve liberation. If I speak, I'm told not to because it's not all men. I am constantly pressured to stay quiet so that I don't ruin a man's life by speaking of his abuse, even though he has already ruined mine. The shame it brings is the scarlet letter that is branded across my chest for all to see. No matter how many times that I bathe in the blood of the lamb, I cannot seem to cleanse myself of the stench of his hands. Or his hands. Or his hands. Or his. I do not peg myself to be a victim, but maybe I am. Maybe we all are. Maybe under this current structure of the world, no one is safe. Maybe we should burn it down. The end. <laughs> That's my time. Um, I have absolutely loved every single minute of this. I can't wait to bring you all more stories. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Patreon. I have more audiobooks, more stories, more things are coming, greater things are coming. And I'm so thankful that you all have allowed me to share these parts and these sides of me. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye.